Welcome to the Monkey House. It's me here in the year 2024. And I'm about to be in Sydney and Brisbane. Sydney from the 8th to the 12th of May. Brisbane from the 16th to the 19th of May doing my show, Drier Drier, at the respective comedy festivals in those cities. But I'm also, uh, while I'm up there, I figured I had a couple of days to kill. So I'm doing a Who Knew It with Matt Stewart on Monday, the 13th of May at the Chippendale Hotel and in Brisbane at Good Chat Comedy on the 14th of May. And you can get tickets for all of that. Now, go to mattstewartcomedy.com for the links. mattstewartcomedy.com. Now, on with the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, mates. Matt here. How's it going? I am just dropping in very quickly to say before we start this week's episode that uh, the next episode, the 100th episode, is also going to be the last one before we go on a bit of an indefinite hiatus. So uh, to make it special, we've decided to do it as a live web stream. So it's going to be filmed and streamed out live, uh, I believe, on Saturday the 6th of June uh, at midday Melbourne time. Same as what the Do Go On podcast were, Saturdays at noon Melbourne time. So if you watch them, you'll know um, how well produced and all that sort of stuff it was. Uh, same as the Josh Earl, Don't You Know Who I Am live streams as well uh and evan munro smith the second banana is going to be sitting in the side cart as well so it's going to be a whole lot of fun we'll have some uh, guests and lots of fun stuff um there'll be the episode and then probably a bunch of stuff exclusive to the live stream as well and i think it's going to be a real fun time unfortunately the ticketing web- website has had some sort of technical issues so the tickets aren't on sale just yet, but they will be really soon, I believe, in the next 24 hours. Um, so keep your eyes peeled at the Prime Mates Pod social medias, and I'll announce it all there. I might even drop back in here and announce uh, the exact details um, when they come to hand. But yeah, please keep your eyes peeled. It would be amazing to have some people in there in the live stream. It would actually feel... Um, almost pointless if no one's watching so it would be good for um, to have some of you great friends of the show in there watching but anyway sorry about this sort of long announcement that isn't really announcing anything in particular apart from the fact that something will be announced soon but anyway yes put in your diaries saturday the 6th of june midday and more details on tickets to follow. Anyway, this episode that I'm um, delaying from beginning is a cracker. Recorded it yesterday, and it's a real good time with Erica Fleury from Napsa, which everyone knows is the New Age Pilbury Silly A. On with the show! This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates.
Welcome to Primates, the podcast where we explore primates and popular culture from Chimpan A to Chimpan Z. I'm your host, Matt Stewart, and this week on the show, joining us back in the monkey house for the fifth time and the second time in two weeks, it's Erica Fleury from Napsa. Woohoo! Hello! How's it going? I'm back. You've just been I'm waiting good. on the line for the whole week, which I thought was, you know, unnecessary, but I like that kind of dedication. I will do anything for the primates listeners. <laughs> that is so kind. <laughs> and they appreciate you for it. They do. They're very lovely online. Yeah, they're big Keep fans those of yours for sure. It seems like it. Yeah, I love it. It's, it cheers me up when I see those comments. You were talking a bit last week about a big fundraiser you're involved in at the moment. How's, how's that been going over the last week? Yeah, it's been it's been picking up a bit. It's still pretty new and we still have a ways to go. So we can certainly use any help that anyone has to give for that fundraiser. Um, so what it is, is we are looking to rescue um, chimpanzees that were left at a wildlife facility in Los Angeles that closed suddenly. It, it, uh, it was called the Wildlife Way Station, and it's outside of LA in the mountains. And at the time that they closed, they had 42 chimpanzees. And so immediately NAPSA jumped in with a bunch of experts to figure out where not only the chimpanzees could go, but also the many hundreds of exotic animals that were also housed at this facility. And luckily, everyone's been housed except for uh, there are now 32 chimpanzees remaining. We've got, uh, we already have nine of them out to other sanctuaries. One passed away of natural causes, unfortunately, but so we're left with 32. And um, we need help with fundraising for these chimps because the sanctuaries that have graciously offered homes to these chimpanzees need to build enclosures for them. And they're willing to, to do this, but they need the assistance to, to build. It's very expensive to build for large, strong, exotic animals like chimpanzees. And we have to make sure that the sanctuaries are prepared and, and ready to take on this responsibility. So we're fundraising to help them out. And um, there's information on our website. If you go to primatesanctuaries.org, there's a little tab at the top that says chimpanzees in need. And you can learn all about the 32 chimpanzees at the Wildlife Way Station, who's taking care of them now, what exactly the funding is for, and what you can do to help. Well, that's awesome. I'll put a, uh, like right at the top in the show notes, I'll put a link to that so people can click through if they, obviously it's a tough time for a lot of people with money, but if anyone does have any some spare dollars uh, floating around or euros or whatever, and... Um, Pounds is another one that I think is is it sort of all currencies accepted? Shekels? All currencies. Right. I think so. I think I think that anything would work. Uh, so yeah, if uh, people are keen, what's a sweet hashtag? We should do a thing where people tweet uh, tweet you and say we just uh, donated to the cause. Hashtag Erica making it rain. Uh, chimpanzee dollar dues. That's pretty long. <laughs> Um, so it maybe, is a little long. Yeah. I thought hashtags were supposed to be simple. No, I don't even think that would fit in a tweet. Um, it's that long. So uh, we'll work, we'll we'll work do- on that. We've been doing chimps in need because we're calling it the chimpanzees in need campaign. So you can say chimps in need. Chimps hashtag, in need. Chimps in need. Okay. Hashtag yeah, yeah. chimps in need. Erica is making it rain. You can check it out on our, our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter, and you'll see plenty of posts. We actually have a really cool video being produced right now that's going to go out 
by the end of this week. So if you're listening to this podcast, it may already be out, maybe check tomorrow and you'll see it on our social media uh, accounts. And it's really, it's a tearjerker. I'm warning you, but okay. it's also inspiring and it's going to make you want to help. Oh, that's great. Well, um, yeah. yeah, I'll definitely share that when it comes out on the primates um, social medias, but I'll also in the show notes, you'll have links to all the NAPSA uh, social medias as well. And NAPSA, of course, stands for the uh, National Adult Protective Services Association and the mm-hmm. North American Power Sweeping Association. It's two of those big associations coming together to form the <laughs> National Pension Scheme Authority. Is that right? I like, I like how you looped them all in together <laughs> into one umbrella organization this time. Yeah. It's impressive. That is a big, powerful. Well, I mean, the American Power Sweeping Association was already <laughs> a powerhouse, um, but once they got the Adult mm. Protective Services Association involved, <laughs> uh, that really did take it up a notch. And then That's the pensioners came in. So, yeah. So, right. They really have their hands full. And now I think, you know, like Voltron, you put them all together and you get the North American Primate Sanctuary Alliance. Is that kind of right? It is. I like how you brought it full circle right back to our proper name for once. I don't know what happened in the early episodes. I used to find there was an Australian one about pharmaceutical students, but I I don't know what that was anymore. (laughs) I like that one because I just pictured... These young pharmaceutical students like hovering over <laughs> like laboratories, like tinkering with Yeah, their goggles <laughs> are too big. Things. Yes. White coats. Yeah. Yeah. Like the baby um, Muppets sort of thing. Yeah. NAPSA, the, the real NAPSA, the, the one that I'm representing is a little bit less adorable. <laughs> Although you could argue we're more adorable because monkeys and apes are more adorable than pharmace- pharmaceutical students, I think. Yeah. Okay. Would you agree? I think pound for pound, you got, yeah, you win that one for sure. Okay. You've got um, okay. pygmy marmosets on your side. Good luck well, fighting that, pharmaceutical students. Even a <laughs> toddler wouldn't a be enough, I don't think. You know? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, so what NAPSA is, is the North American Primate Sanctuary Alliance. And we are a coalition of the leading primate sanctuaries in North America from anywhere from Canada all the way down to Texas and across to Washington and back across the East to gosh, Florida, we're all over the place. And so I am the spokesperson for that Alliance and I am based in Los Angeles. Um, La La Napsa, Land. La La Land. I know that's one of Matt's favorites. Town. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, NAPSA cares for over 830 rescued primates at our member sanctuaries, and those individuals are all rescued from laboratory research, the entertainment industry, and the pet trade. So even like, I mean, that's so many, 800 plus, but that shows how big of a chunk 32 all of a sudden is. That's, um, mm-hmm. it's, a, well, it's a, a lot to handle all of a sudden. Well, and sanctuaries in general tend to be pretty full well, primate sanctuaries, um, because the animals are leaving certain these industries in greater numbers than ever before, um, particularly with chimpanzees. The majority of chimpanzee placements right now are from laboratories. And because chimpanzee research has, has thankfully ended in the U.S., the sanctuaries that have space to take chimps already have agreements with laboratories and are taking in chimps from those laboratories on a regular basis. 
And so having this sudden need to squeeze in 40, it was 42 chimps initially into the sanctuary system was um, rather impossible, (laughs) which is why we only got some out um, so far and why it's taking so long and why we must fundraise for the rest to come out because it was an unexpected need and the sanctuaries quite simply didn't have the physical space for them. So they're making the physical space and thankfully they're able to do that at a few locations. And in the meantime, but, but those 32 are sleeping on your landroom floor. Is that correct? Uh, no, actually, thankfully they're not. They are still at the wildlife way station. Um, California department of fish and wildlife have taken over and and are being so wonderful to work with. They're really looking to NAPSA for all the advice on how to properly care for these chimps, where they can go. Um, and it certainly is a strain on them. So we appreciate their flexibility and their patience as we get these chimps a proper home. Um, but and in you the can meantime, think about they're just in tents in your backyard. Is that is that right? You've just set up 32 tents in a row in your, out in your backyard? Now? Yes. Is yes, that, true? that is what I've done. I was yes. only joking, Erica. Have I? Jeez. God, you you found, are busted. You found me out. Oh, <laughs> you, yeah, this was supposed to be a secret. Chimps aren't, they're not meant to camp. They like it. They have sleeping bags. They're fine. Oh, uh, you're starting to sound like the enemy. Oh, it's cute though. <laughs> they got these little sleeping bags. Not good enough. <laughs> This is a problem because you know somebody could like edit a little segment of this and make it sound like I'm <laughs> like you've got I'm little supportive. sleeping bags for your chimpanzees in your backyard. That is true. Yeah, it's like Erica's chimpcamping.com. Um, in context, um, it was actually a bit of a joke. So right. <laughs> right. The chimps are well cared for now, but that's one of the things we're fundraising for too, is because caring for them for one month is uh one hundred and thirty thousand dollars. Whoa. That is a lot. Yeah, for one month. That's one month. And they've already been under the care of fish and wildlife since August. And that's because they ate caviar exclusively. Is that correct? And lobster. Caviar and lobster. Wow. Mm-hmm. That Yeah, mm-hmm. that adds up. And those I sleeping know, and bags are shipped. like the, the best uh, duck down available. The or finest. Something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to upset a lot of vegans with this conversation. Well, uh, it's all jokes, uh, vegans. I think vegans famously have a good sense of humor, so I think we're okay. I uh, agree. I agree. They they just get a bad rap in uh, in dodgy jokes, but vegans. I know a few vegans, and they're very funny people. They absolutely are. Every single one of them. They are. So, Erica, we, last week we got about halfway through these uh, questions that were sent in by listeners, and because we weren't going to get through them, you graciously accepted my invitation to come back this week and do an episode 99 part two. Um, so yeah. should we get stuck into those questions? Or before we do, you said uh, you got a little bit of extra info on a question from last week. I do. Somebody had asked about monogamy in primates. And I, I had stated that well, I actually didn't know it when I heard the question, Matt and I looked it up and I said, gibbons are monogamous. And then one of my coworkers was listening and pointed out to me that it's not just gibbons, owl monkeys and some marmosets are also monogamous. Owl so monkeys. I, oh, cool. Yes. That question yeah, came so, from you know. Josh Harmon in Texas. Oh, very, very good memory, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Wait, owl <laughs> monkeys as... AKA night monkeys. Is that mm-hmm. holy moly night monkeys? I think I remember that. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we talk, <laughs> actually talked about how night monkeys are monogamous on this show. Oh. Um, because See, after even... their partner dies, they become morning monkeys. If you see one. <laughs> That's a, yeah, I know, it's awful. But um, at the time, <laughs> we were having fun with it. Um, <laughs> Sweet owl. <laughs> the, uh, so let's get cracking with some more uh, questions. I prefer night monkey to owl monkey. Did you see night monkey was used in the Spider-Man, most recent Spider-Man film? He was briefly known as the night monkey. I didn't monkey. know that. Yeah. So I'm not as great put work. up on the popular culture as you are. You're better at this than I am. Well, sure. I mean, but I'm I'm the best in the biz, so you know, don't be <laughs> too hard on yourself. Uh this That's true. <laughs> next question comes from Justin in Kentucky, bourbon country. Uh, yeah. And his question is if I were walking through the woods and ran into a silverback gorilla, what's the best way to handle the situation so that I could live to tell the tale? <laughs> How, are there many silverback gorillas in in the forests of Kentucky? Before we get into the no, no? <laughs> there should be zero silverback monkeys in Kentucky. And as far as I know, there are zero silverback monkeys in Kentucky. I oh, know he said gorilla, not monkey. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Listen to me, please. Gorilla. So I'm, there, I, you know, there are I'm a few silverback gorillas in Kentucky, though. <laughs> right, there's plenty of those. No monkeys, plenty of gorillas. Right, right. No, silverback gorilla. Uh, excuse my mistake there. Um, I think I would treat that unfortunate situation the same as I would if I were to come across a bear or any other large frightening mammal. I would slowly and non-threateningly back away. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't run. I wouldn't yell. I wouldn't uh, draw attention to myself in any way. Yeah, okay. I hope that helps. That's, that sounds like that makes sense. So hopefully if, if you do uh, run into the Kentucky gorilla, uh, <laughs> you heed that advice. Um, and hope, But hopefully you never uh, wander into that scenario, Justin. But thank you very much for the question. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah, if, if it was a crocodile, apparently you run away in a zigzag. Have you heard that? I don't know if that's true. No, is that true? I've heard that's true, but I don't know because they – they're not good at um, changing direction or something. Real is that an Australian thing that like people know because you have crocodiles there so much? Yeah, but I'm so very far from crocodiles here. They're up in the north, oh, yeah. and I'm in the south. Uh, That's pretty cool. I never knew that though. Well, double check it before you go into any sort of <laughs> crocodile country because I'm 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 I don't think I heard it from Steve Irwin or anything. Uh, <laughs> So as I'm being eaten by a crocodile, I shouldn't yell. But Matt said. <laughs> Matt said. I zigzagged. <laughs> Matt told me to. Uh, the next question comes from Milton Keynes in Yo, which is maybe is Yeovil or I'm not sure. Milton Keynes. That sounds British to me. Uh, hmm. This is from Jay Manangai uh, or Man- Manangi perhaps. <laughs> and Jay asks, if you had to choose one ape to defend you from a feral Matt, who would you pick? Huh. A feral Matt? A feral Matt, which I guess me is what. Oh, oh If I okay. went feral, <laughs> which ape would you choose? I don't know if he means spe- species or, or uh, individual. <laughs> I, I mean, I would choose a chimp okay. because this goes along with some of the questions we had last week, I think. Like which one, wasn't it who would accompany me in a zombie apocalypse or something along those lines. Yeah. I would pick a chimp because 
Well, as long as the chimp was my sidekick, because last week we established that if you have a sidekick, it, there's an assumption that you won't harm each other. Yeah. So assuming we have that agreement in place, I would have the chimp defend me from feral Matt uh, because I think a chimp would be more than capable of doing so. <laughs> I think a, I think a chimp might be able to handle me, even in feral state. <laughs> right. I was going to say it depends on how feral you are. That's true. I think no matter how feral you are, I think a chimp would be more feral. So <laughs> Yeah. I think, yeah, even the... The gentlest chimp is going to be stronger than the feralist, Matt. I think so. Uh, Mil- so I've looked up Milton Keynes. That is in the UK. It's a large town in Buckinghamshire in England. No. Oh, never heard of it. Milton Keynes. I don't know much about England, though. Well, get yourself educated, please, Erica. <laughs> Very I'm just important. proving my stupidity over and over again. No, I mean, you've just filled your brain with uh, monkey and, and ape facts. So you know, <laughs> there's just not enough room for regional centers in the uk it's to the detriment of so much though <laughs> uh this next one also comes from a place you've probably not heard of droitwich in the uk this is from ernie oh geez the questions are highbrow this week why do some what? ape species fling poo and do they ever fling anything more hygienic instead sure is this a thing think- is this a real thing you see cartoon uh, yeah, chimps and monkeys might fling poo, but do they do they do that in the real world? Chimps do in captivity, right? And um, and other primate species do as well. Although I think it's chimps that do it the most frequently, and I it seems to be an expression of frustration, and it seems to be the chimps that are more troubled and probably had more uh, difficult pasts that may have involved a lot of suppression of natural behaviors. Right. So they do it. It's sort of an attention seeking thing. Um, And I know that once one chimp does it in a group, sometimes it can be learned behavior with the other chimps. Um, But it can also then be uh, limited by introducing what is called enrichment in sanctuaries. And enrichment is really anything that um, draws their attention elsewhere, like puzzles, primates, you know, are so good with their hands and so smart that they really enjoy anything that stimulates them mentally. So um, the more enrichment they have, uh, it goes, it follows then that you should see less of the poop throwing in general, although it's not always a perfect science. Okay. that's um yeah that's interesting so yeah it's not you you don't see chimps in their natural habitat doing that that's just a right captivity it's a captivity thing all right well uh i think that answers your question pretty thoroughly there ernie another one from the uk we're on a uk streak here this one comes from london i imagine you've probably heard of that little village i have that that i have heard of (laughs) Uh, this is from david malofsky uh also known as a place to hang your cape. He runs a website about superheroes. He asks, what is the strongest primate? And do you know any stories of amazing primate feats of strength? Oh, boy. I don't know if I know any stories of amazing primate feats of strength, although I'm sure they're out there. Um, I would think it would be... I'm just trying to think of where these stories might come from. And I would guess in zoos or sanctuaries, you know, stories of chimps, maybe breaking, uh, caging, right. Um, you know, things that are supposedly chimp proof that, that aren't, um, 
<laughs> and, and, you know, I bet you my coworkers would have some great stories about that, but unfortunately I don't have anything to share that I can think of at the moment. Um, I've just looked up uh, what's the f uh, strongest primate. Um, and there's this yeah, what's it? A listicle on the mysteriousworld.com that has uh, gorillas, not only as the strongest primate, but as the fifth strongest animal. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, all these, these lists are always pretty ridiculous. And depending on what, like number three, they've got an ant. I think they're going with like a pound mm, for pound like kind of thing. We're not, yeah. we're not rhinoceros beetle number two, dung beetle number one. But anyway, the mm -hmm. gorilla uh, says <laughs> gorillas are the largest primate in the world. Is that true? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Although some orangutans can be humongous. Right. Um, but I guess gorillas, I think gorillas are more ma uh, muscular compared to orangutans. Says they are known for their remarkable strength. Gorillas can reach 1.75 meters and weigh up to 200 kilos. That's heavy. Uh, compared to mm. human beings, the arms of gorillas are very large and strong. They can carry a weight up to two tons and are 10 oh times God. more than their body weight. Um, the arm span of an adult male gorillas measure between 2.2 and 2.6 meters. Gorillas follow knuckle walking to balance their weight. They can also walk bipedally, but not mm -hmm. for a long time. Gorillas can also swing from one branch to another using one arm or two. Climbing and knuckle walking make their arms stronger. In fact, an adult male gorilla is 15 to 20 times stronger than a human. Yeah, well, I guess that, that goes back to the question from before. What do you do if you, if you <laughs> stumble upon <laughs> one? Um, yeah, get the hell out you of get there. Get away. Yep. Quickly and quietly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would think, I mean, that just reinforces what I was thinking. Um, that just gorillas are so muscular and and huge. And I think orangutans, if, you, if you've ever seen a captive male orangutan, they can be humongous, but they are less muscular. And I think their strength is more being limber and like swinging in the trees, much more so than a gorilla would right. be able to. So it's like the difference between strength of a rugby player versus a, like a gymnast or something. Both yeah, very strong, but just different kinds of strength. In different ways, for sure. Uh, obviously, in this scenario, the dung beetle is the uh, gymnast. <laughs> and the ant. Yeah, the ant is, is the is the weightlifter. The other one. Yeah, well, I can't even remember what the other one was. Rugby player. I can't either. <laughs> I'm brain dead tonight. Yep. <laughs> this next question comes from yeah. Well, I'm I'm tomorrow from where you are. I'm I'm afternoon tomorrow. You're last night. Hey, isn't it? Yeah, isn't the world um, an amazing place? It's trippy. It really is. You're in tomorrow. The next. Yeah, I should let you know what happens. Um, yeah, please do. <laughs> the next one comes from Virginia, which I think is in America. And this is from is. Noah Abbey or Abbey or Ab, A-double-B-E. <laughs> and Noah asks, oh, where do we... Uh-oh. <laughs> Noah asks, where do you get off? Either that or what is your most memorable experience with a primate? Let's go with the second one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> please. And also, I uh, Noah goes on. Also, I just want to say thank you. Your episodes of Primates are my favorites, and I've learned a lot from listening. That's very Aww, nice. Oh, thanks, Noah. What a <laughs> weird a about face from that. Where do you get off beginning? <laughs> I, maybe that was a reference to one of our earlier episodes. I think people and... do references from podcasts that 
were recorded in the past and I'm always like, oh, I, I know this is a joke that I should get. I <laughs> know, <laughs> but it's kind of like once you record it, you just move on mentally and you don't store it in your brain anymore. Yeah, it's big, so, it's big for that week. Um, yeah. Some things keep coming back, but yeah, other ones become obscure and you're like, oh, I don't recall that, but it I feels know. like something I might have said. Where do you get So we're on? just going to pretend he didn't ask that first question and we'll go with the second one. Yeah. So a memorable experience that I've had uh, with a primate. Let's see. Last week you told a great one of the first time you were entering, oh, you were hearing the the sounds? Yeah, 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 in Kentucky. Um, And that was at a sanctuary called the Primate Rescue Center in Kentucky. That was in Kentucky. So there is a chance that you might walk through the woods of Kentucky and run into an ape. No, yeah, but not a gorilla. They don't have gorillas. Great, okay, yeah. Yeah, so Justin, your question was stupid. (laughs) I didn't say that, Matt did. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading the tone of your voice. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were reading it accurately. Um, so uh, so when I first got was getting started, I didn't know how to break into this industry that I really wanted to work in. And the Primate Rescue Center in Kentucky offered me a chance to come visit for a week and try it out and try being a sanctuary caregiver and see what the whole thing was like. So, um, yeah, last week I talked about how how inspiring and exciting it was to hear the chimps and the monkeys for the first time as I was driving down the driveway. And so I think the first memorable experience I had with an ape or with a primate was at that sanctuary. And it was um, at the end of the day, it was sometime during that week. And I don't remember, it must've been a little later in the week because I was feeling pretty comfortable there. Um, And so it was early evening in Kentucky and it was, it was in May. So it was a, sort of a, a summery, um, the beginning of summer and it was very nice out and their uh, chimp enclosure has a nice grassy hill in it. And the chimps were, were pretty mellow. They had already had their dinner and they were all just sort of settling down for the night, not necessarily to go to sleep quite yet, but just, they were sort of restful, um, which is much easier to be around as a newcomer because chimps, when they see a newcomer, um, arrive can be very loud and boisterous and alarming. Um, so it was it was nice to see them settling. But there was one chimp, and his name is Donald, and he right, he nice. was and yeah, <laughs> it's a great name for him too because he's the dominant male of their troop, and is very um, he's an interesting leader because he's he's a mellow guy. He's actually not the loudest and most obvious that you might see when you first look at that group of chimps, but he leads with like dignity. He's, he's very, he's got big DA, BGA, <laughs> big dignity energy. <laughs> That's right. He does. <laughs> he's very reserved, but powerful. And so that night, that early spring evening, I saw him sitting on the Hill on the grass, just sitting like a man would sit. Like he had, he sort of had his knees up and was resting his arms near his his knees sort of on them and he was just looking out at the sky and it was getting a little it wasn't dark yet but it was darkening a little and just looking out and observing the sanctuary and it he just looked like he reminded me of a king looking over his kingdom right and he was he was so peaceful and just at home there and it was really cool to see because he had a really crappy past and you know has lived through a lot and to see him peaceful and serene right there in his home was pretty awe-inspiring so i will always remember that oh that's a nice memory 
Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you very much for that question, Noah. Um, just realizing that again, we are making slow work, <laughs> slow, uh, making our way slowly through these questions. So, um, I'll try and keep the pace up a little bit here. This next one's from Brisbane. First Aussie question, I think, of the day from Jack Williams. Jack asks, if you were to reincarnate as any non-human primate, which would you choose and why? That's a good question. Firstly, do it's you so believe hard. in reincarnation? Are you a, a Buddhist? I, I'm not a Buddhist, but I do believe in reincarnation. Do you really? Oh, sick. Oh, well, this is I do. perfect for you. I do. I think everyone has a soul and that soul sort of lives on and comes back as other things. And yeah, I totally believe that. Well, I love that um, idea. Yeah, I do too. It makes me feel good. <laughs> um, ah, I probably come, I'd be happy to come back as any primate. I think it'd be awesome. Maybe, maybe one, that, maybe someone like a gibbon that could swing through the trees. Cause that looks like a lot of fun. Um, I'd want to be a gibbon in its natural range somewhere that's not threatened, which is pretty rare, unfortunately. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. What would you say, Matt? Oh, that is tough. But yeah, I love the idea of like an orangutan or a, yeah, a gibbon. Howler monkey, be cool to be one of those. Yeah. Doing, making those big sounds. But yeah, anyone of those ones that swing through the trees, love that as an idea. Chimpanzees yeah, seem yeah. like a stressful life. I mean, there's probably quite a yeah. few that feel like they've got pretty pretty stressful uh, lives just from, you know, living in such a brutal uh, mm -hmm. world. But um yeah, maybe I'll go with orangutans. That's a good one. So I can stick with my red hair. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. And uh, I'll go with I'll go with gibbons just because I think they're adorable and I want to swing through the trees. Gibbons are great. And you can be in a monogamous relationship. That's true. <laughs> and we all know you love monogamy, Erica. <laughs> <laughs> I have no problem with any other types of relationships, for okay, the record. well, that's not what it sounds like. but um... uh, Matt talked himself into a hole last time, so we're not going to go there. <laughs> this next question, thanks, Jack, for that one. This next one comes from New York, uh, from Kevin. Kevin asks, oh, I think this was sort of uh, talked about last week, but he asks, how did you hear about the podcast and what were your thoughts going into the first interview? Was it what you're expecting? You did talk about how you first heard about it. You think you got a Google alert or something, but I don't know if we talk about the second half. What were your thoughts going into the first episode you're on and is it what you're expecting? Well, I admit I listened to a few episodes before I contacted Matt because I wanted to make sure that it was um, like promoting responsible talk about primates and not saying oh yeah let's all get primates as pets or something like that um but well, i thought it was really listen funny to the let's all get primates as pets episode because <laughs> uh, i missed that one <laughs> yeah that one yeah we talked about that a lot uh, okay because that's why it was titled that way i have to go i, I can't talk anymore <laughs> hey that was in the past it was pre-covid it's a different world now <laughs> it was uh well uh so I listened, I thought it was really funny. And then I just reached out and I think it took a little while to hear back. Um, but then once I talked to Matt, um, I don't know, I just was like, Oh, I'll give it a try. How, how difficult could it be? But I was a little nervous just cause he's a comedian and I'm not, and I didn't want to be a super boring guest, <laughs> but I'm glad it worked out. Cause I have a lot of fun. Yeah, great. Oh, like um, people have been saying all this week, a lot of people say uh, their favorite episodes are the ones where you are on. So glad you did oh. reach out uh, back 
in that pre-COVID world a couple of years ago, whenever it was. Um, and barely remember it. Yeah, must I mean the show's been going about two years, so it was it was over a year ago. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it definitely was. I think it was. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, this next one, again, comes from London in old England. Do I have my English accent? Oh, I'm from England. I'm from London. <laughs> Better you than me. <laughs> sounds from Nathan. Nathan writes, and I like Erica. Uh, you've probably already understood, and I think probably the listeners do as well. I'm. I haven't pre-read any of these questions, so Erica, I've never pre-read them, so I don't know them. Erica <laughs> certainly doesn't know them, so I'm putting her on the spot with all of these. Um, this next one is: Was your line of work something you always wanted to do, or was it an unexpected career change? This again was sort of touched on a bit last week. Um, mm -hmm. it was a bit of a, an unexpected career change, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. I mean, I always liked animals, but I never thought I would work with them necessarily. Um, I just came across that primatology course when I was in college and took it on a whim and fell in love with it and moved on from there. But I, I always tell, like I've, I've said to other people, if there's a topic that you just can't get enough of, and for me, it was reading all the books and reading all the articles and reading about sanctuaries, if there's something like that that you're really attracted to, there's a reason for it and you should pursue that in some way and find out what you're supposed to be doing in that world. That's a beautiful message. I think pe true. people have just, I reckon you've just given off a few epiphanies. There's a few epiphanies pinging off around the world right now. There's a reason for that though. There's, if there's an energy like that, that, you know, that you're drawn to and a topic that you're really passionate about, life is too short to not be pursuing that. Love it. Good message. Um, oh. Thank you, Nathan, for asking that question. Uh, this next one comes from Vancouver, Washington. What does that mean? Is there a Washington in Canada or is there a Vancouver in America? I have no idea. <laughs> well, uh, I'll look at it. Or maybe they're from both places. Anyway, this is from Terry Salcedo or Salcedo. Uh, uh, oh, and Terry sent a link uh, to this Upworthy article. Um, it's about Sandra the orangutan who has started washing oh. her hands after observing her caretakers do it. Have you seen yes. this? Yes. Yes, Sandra is at Center for Great Apes, the sanctuary that I mention most frequently on this podcast. Oh, perfect. Well, that works out very well. Uh, Terry says, uh, great apes learning to wash their hands, just mimicry or a real learned behavior? Is this good news or more false mimicking? Are we mock mocking apes? That's the question from Terry. It's a bit involved well, there. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to dig into there, and I know we don't have tons of time, but it's important with great apes to be able to differentiate what is mimicry and what is learned behavior. And, and remind me of this, this listener's name. Cause I forget. Uh, Terry. Name. Terry. Okay. So, and Terry's hitting on that. Um, Sandra truly did 
learn how to wash her hands from, from watching the caregivers. And it could be even something that she, that apes do just for fun. I mean, they, the center for great apes also has videos of chimps playing in the water and maybe it feels good to wash their hands. But, um, I don't, I certainly don't think it's, um, exploiting them in any way in the video that the sanctuary put out. Um, they had put out a video just of Sandra doing this because she's a popular ape at the sanctuary, um, because she's been in the news so much. She was the first great ape to be granted personhood. Oh, right. Um, I'm sure we've talked yes. about her in the past then. Yeah. So, um, she's from Argentina and, um, so she was thankfully moved to the center for great apes because she was in a zoo that had closed. Um, and so I'm sorry, I've lost my my train with what the original question was, but this video was not an exploitive one. This wasn't something she was trained to do. It's just something she naturally started doing after seeing her caregivers playing with water and washing their hands. Yeah. Right. And that's a, is that the kind of thing that you got to, or the sanctuaries have to worry about whether or not, their videos are promoting a positive message yeah. or if they're um, taking advantage, I guess, are they the kind of things that um, the sanctuaries might spend a lot of time worrying about? For sure. No, that's a really important thing because especially with social media, it's so easy to see a photo or a video and get the wrong idea and just scroll on. So the sanctuaries have to be careful with explaining things not even that. Sometimes it means not even putting an image out there. Even if you can explain it in a very responsible manner, if people are going to misinterpret it, sometimes it's best to just not even put that content out there. Right. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate, but you know, things spread so wildly online and when it's incorrect or misleading information, it's, it can be better to just not put that out there. Yeah. That, yeah, that makes sense. I've looked up Mm -hmm. Vancouver is a, a town in Washington. Uh, I looked that up as well, but then we got started talking about Sandra and I forgot to mention it. <laughs> Under notable people, uh, the name that, I mean, there's a few that I've heard of, like Ulysses S. Grant, uh, but my favorite, oh, Willie Nelson was there at some point apparently as well. But <laughs> the one that really stood out to me was uh, a congressman who, while in office, resided in Vancouver. His name, Don Bonker. <laughs> <laughs> What a name. That's one of the all-time great names. Don, Don Bonker. Bonker. <laughs> Don Bonker from amazing. Vancouver, Washington. Love that very much. And it looks like oh, the pictures looks like an idyllic little uh, city. Love yeah, it. it's beautiful. It looks absolutely beautiful. The um, hometown of Don Bonker. Oh, I'd love to go. <laughs> one day I'd love to uh, go to the home of Don Bonker and um, <laughs> just <laughs> pay my respects to the man who well, was. You- on your future United States tour, you have yes. to go there. Yes, assuming the world ever opens up again, I got to get to the home of Don Bonker. Uh, crossing fingers. Yeah, do you reckon it's possible? Yeah, At, let's do a podcast about Don Bonker. Like Don Bonker, he might even still be alive. He, he <laughs> so he's eighty three. Maybe I could even meet oh. Don Bonker. Oh my god, you could. What? So Don, Don Bonker's out there right now somewhere, just hanging he out. He could be listening. What if he's oh a listener? Oh, my God, Don Bonker, if you're listening, please do get in, <laughs> t- in touch. Don Bonker, he, he's a real mm-hmm. handsome-looking fella as well. Jeez. He is. Do you see that photo that I see with the comb, like his yeah. little hairdo and the Big, tie? Thick, yeah, thickly tied knot. Oh, that man <laughs> knows how to dress. And he's got to like I a, think that's an old. 
bit of a Clint Eastwood sort of middle distance stare. Squint. Yeah. yeah. And Don amazingly, man's man. the I mean, any other town, uh, the great, the name that would have stood out to me would have been NASCAR driver Greg Biffle, but <laughs> he who also has a connection to Vancouver and Washington. But no, D- Greg Biffle was easily in the shade of Don Bonker, congressman. <laughs> we all are in the shade of Don. That's Bonker. right, Don. How could? Don Bonker, uh, he casts a big shadow. Anyway, we have got sidetracked here <laughs> by a beautiful man with a beautiful name. Let's go on with the next question. This one, another Australian question from Queensland. Uh, up, that's a it's a big state, so I'm not sure where specifically, but maybe they're not too far from the crocodiles. This one comes from mm. Stacy Ammenhauser, and Stacy asks. With apes being so closely related to us, is there a risk of COVID-19 pandemic spreading to them? Uh, is this something that we should be worried about? Oh, this question was, um, we got on to this a little bit last week as well, and you said that it was a, a, yeah. an issue. It is. I mean, any respiratory illness um, can be problematic for other primate species and not even apes. So all the sanctuaries we're very cautious when everything started with COVID-19 in the U S um, in preventing the, the cross uh, the spread of the virus to the animals. Thankfully there have not been any recorded cases of primates in captivity accidentally uh, coming down with COVID-19. I believe the only instances were in a laboratory where monkeys were given uh, were exposed to the virus in a much greater concentration than a primate would be um, naturally, or you know, in a sanctuary or at a zoo or any other setting like that. Um, so it it was it was very frightening because of the circumstances of how they're housed in captivity. It would be nearly impossible to prohibit the spread if one tested positive. Um, but it hasn't been an issue so far, and the sanctuaries have been very careful with masks and gloves to protect their caregivers as well. And knock on wood, it's working. So um, we've been very fortunate because that was a really big fear for a lot of people and it, and it still is. So cross your fingers for us. <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, yeah. yeah. Great news so far, but yeah. So far, yeah, anything so, could happen. It's gonna, yeah. It's going to be wild to look back. I'm really hoping we look back in a few years and we're, and we're like, Geez, we we were worried it was going to be worse than it was. I mean, it's you know hundreds of thousands of people have died around the world. So uh, yeah, it, and yeah, I just read somewhere that um, we're still in the you know in the first phase. There's a, a big, another second phase coming, but yeah, just read so many different things. Yeah. It's hard to know what's what, but yeah, the yeah. terrifying people who are, are more concerned those. Yeah, that is pretty full-on stuff to think about. Anyway, hopefully we look back in a few years and we go, oh, it wasn't so bad. Only hundreds of thousands of people died. <laughs> God. Not millions. Um, Yeah, how Wait. grim. So grim. Apologies uh, for sounding flippant about it, but yeah. Um, no, it's hard to believe this is real. I think we're all in disbelief. Totally. Uh, yeah. This uh, next one comes from Glasgow in Scotland from Scott Coventry. Uh, again, this one like is partially covered last week because no, okay. no, no one asking these questions should see what other questions were. So there's was bound to be right. some overlap, but Scott asks, 
why did you get into conservation to begin with? And was it always primates or did that just happen to be where you ended up? I think you, you covered all that last week. But the yeah, second half... And... Oh, sorry. No, 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 keep going. And the second half of the question is, do you do any work with any other organisations? Well, NAPSA certainly works with a number of other organizations uh, beyond just the sanctuaries. We work with um, many of the animal welfare and animal rights groups. So that's PETA, the Humane Society. Um, there's some anti-vivisection um, organizations. Vivisection means um, testing on animals. So there's some anti-vivisection groups in the United States that we work with. We're constantly doing collaborations like that because a lot of times when someone like PETA tries to close down a roadside zoo or end laboratory research, they need to find a place to put those animals. So they come to us and then um, we, we work together to get those animals safely uh, housed. So yeah, that's, that's very frequent. Um, and then my, I don't think he means myself personally and really all my time is taken up with NAPSA things. So I do what I do what NAPSA needs. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, thank you for that question, Scott. This next one, I think Ilka might have asked a question last week as well, but Ilka Ilomaki yeah. from Finland asks, has NAPSA had an effect from the Tiger King series and what are your thoughts on it? We did touch on this yeah. a little bit last week. Uh, any, <laughs> any further thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I will say that the Tiger King series is quite misleading in a number of ways, um, and it didn't tell the story accurately about some of the people featured. Um, but one silver lining is that it did bring to light the vast disparity between true sanctuaries and other people that might call themselves sanctuaries, and why it's so important to only support uh, those organizations that do the right thing. Because there is lots of people who gave lots of money to Joe Exotic um, at his facility and some of the other people featured in the, in the documentary um, because they love animals. You know, these people say, oh, I want to go see a baby tiger or, you know, I love tigers. I want to help them. But the money was going towards exploitation and towards breeding and towards, you know, completely inhumane housing conditions. And that's not the kind of thing that a thinking pers person should want to support. So um, I think it's great that that show highlighted how important it is to look a little bit further into the organizations that you give your money to because they don't exist unless there's customers. Um, and so if you ever need information on how to tell if a sanctuary or an animal care facility is a good one, you can look on NAPSA's website. We have an advocacy section and we have a document um, all about how to differentiate true sanctuaries from what we call pseudo sanctuaries. And you can see some red flags, like do they breed? Are they open to the public daily? You know, a number of things that you can know are markers of a, an exploitive animal care facility. Yeah, that I... I was wondering about that as well. If um, uh, so, there there are like a bunch of positive flow-on effects from a series like that being so popular, even though yeah, you say that um, some of the stuff wasn't super accurate. Probably heightened for drama and that sort of stuff, I suppose. For sure, and they they succeeded with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it, I watched it all, and it was very Moorish kind of TV, but. Geez, it didn't leave me feeling super good about anything in the end. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so many of the issues that are problems for primates in captivity are also issues for big cats. So I'm glad that it showed how harmful these um, uh, cat petting um, places can be, um, places that let you take photos with baby animals or grown animals. Um, they're really garbage. And it's great that people could look beyond, you know, the five seconds that they see on film to see what really goes on at places like that and how there's nothing good that goes on. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you get the buzz of the of being close to a big, powerful animal and then, yeah. yeah. But it's, ugh. and then the animal has decades of life left that you don't see and they're suffering the whole time. So. Yeah. Or they don't. They just get taken out. Yeah. Euthanized. Exactly. Sound, or they alluded to the fact that that happens quite a lot as well once they yeah, it's, their... it's horrible. So, you know, please think twice before you support any, any place like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that, ugh, I mean, we're getting into pretty heavy stuff, but that goes across. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, nearly all uh, industries that um, use animals, uh, including, you know, meat and dairy and everything. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, it's horrible, horrible stuff. <laughs> the next question comes from uh, Detective Herbert Covington. He, uh, I think he also asked a question last week. Got a few, a few real keen beans. Uh, this one, <laughs> I, did, I did a call out when I first... Um, was going to do this episode with you a couple of months ago and then I did another call out more recently so people have jumped in both times I think um okay. and he's one of the he's one of the great listeners Herbert absolute great supporter he's from Columbus in GA is GA Georgia yes um how do you remember all 50 of those abbreviations i find it very difficult especially the ones like it's... the M states there's so many of them well i don't know it's not that hard for me but i don't know how you know them in Australia, because I don't know yeah, anything. You, wouldn't, you of... would know any of our states, and ours are so easy. There's only seven of them, or something. Jeez, I don't. I didn't even know that though. And, I mean, and there's like the one that's like almost half the country is is Western Australia, and it's basically just the western half of Australia. Then there's a territory. Uh, there's two uh, territories: Northern Territory, it's just center mm-hmm. north. Then there's South Australia, which is center south. That's another state. Then my state, okay. Victoria, is um, southeast. Then there's a little island down below called Tasmania. That's another state. Yeah. Above us, New South Wales, named after South Wales in in the UK, and then Queensland mm-hmm. up the top. So it's pretty. It'd be the kind of thing that it would take you 15 minutes to memorize forever, <laughs> probably. But why would you need to? But it is funny that I guess it's we're we're dominated by your pop culture uh, and it. Doesn't yeah. work the other way around. That's but, I mean, so crazy, though. But I'm honored that you know them so well. Without try, <laughs> I mean, this podcast and um, having a lot of American listeners has definitely helped me learn a, a lot more. Uh, yeah. Sort of know California's on the West Coast, New York's on the East Coast. That's something I would have known anyway. But a lot of the other stuff filled in in between, I've just slowly picked up um, from meeting people from around all these different states. Which has been interesting. Yeah, there's so many states. So many states. I, I find that fascinating. They're all. It feels like you're less of a country and more like a a continent of little countries. They're all. It like feels like that. Totally different yeah. seeming places. It's more like Europe. If Europe was yeah. one country, but that's what it feels like. America almost yeah. is. Um. So anyway, uh, Herbert <laughs> no, asks. No, you're right. Yeah. Uh, 
Would you ever consider guesting on Do Go On, doing something sort of primate? Do Go On's another podcast I do. That was the one yeah. that we were going to be touring over to America um, in a few months. Uh, he's asked, I guess he's asking on our behalf, would you ever consider guesting on <laughs> Do Go On? Um, uh, he thinks you'd do a cracking job do, doing a report. So the way that show works is it's a different topic each week. Um, okay. Today, for instance, I put out an episode where I did a report about uh, comic actor Phil Hartman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there'll be episodes that are biographies like that, and we've done. I did an episode about the uh, Zanesville Zoo Massacre. Mm-hmm. Um, done episodes about the Bigfoot, the history of the Bigfoot, you know, like basically <laughs> just any topic you can think of. But then that might be a okay. cool th- – if we come to America, you should um, come do an episode with us. I would love to. Yeah. I'm, I, this is the first podcast that I've done. I mean, your, your podcast. Um, and I've had a lot of fun with it. So I definitely want to do more. I'd be happy to. Well, unfortunately for you, you've had your expectations set very high because this is the best podcast. Um, and everything else is going to seem a little shitty in comparison. So I do apologize oh, for I that. Believe it. Um, I believe it. And then your podcast is going to end. Or go on hiatus? What are we saying? That's right. Yeah, it's going on on long-term hiatus. Uh, I hate that. So we're doing doing one, gonna, I haven't even mentioned this yet. Doing a live episode uh, to finish a uh, live stream from the Stupid Old Studios next Saturday. Um, Whoa. I think tickets are on sale today. So I should probably start telling people about it so some people <laughs> end up watching. Get um, on it, Matt. But I think it'll uh, just look at the Primates podcast, uh, social media Primates pod on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Um, and I'll put a link in the show notes. I'll probably, you know, I'll be playing it heaps between now and then just so some people are watching. Otherwise, well, it'd be exciting. a real sad way to um, put this <laughs> this show to sleep for a while. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I'll, I think I'll do sporadic episodes. I'll have to, um, whenever you're, you're feeling like it, Erica, it'll just be sitting there the podcast feed so we could always just throw one out there whenever you feel and like it but um i'm open to it for sure let's do it week to week anymore i'd also love to get you on the my uh, youtube interview show uh which i'll talk to you about another time we're in the middle of this (laughs) q a session this next uh, question comes from berlin it's from dennis johari yug apologies what does an umlaut do to an a u it lengthens the sound, doesn't it? Dennis Johari or Johari Yug. I'm thinking Yug. something like that. Dennis Sounds asks, good to me. Anyway, Dennis is easy. I can do that. Dennis asks, <laughs> if a team of humans, bracket, inferior primates, sorry, Evan, close bracket, could compete against a team of primates, they have a free pick of all species at the Olympics, who do you think would win? Oh, there's so many different sports at the Olympics, so that's a tricky yeah, one. Yeah, that's. That's too vague. You'd think, well, like overall, you'd think humans are going to win swimming, right? Probably the... win running races as well. Are there any? There's no apes that. Oh, can. Yeah. No. That knuckle running can't be faster than human yeah. running, surely. Probably not. But, but then I feel like, like baboons put... could probably run really fast. Oh, yeah. Because they almost, they almost look like they're cats when they're running. They remind me of dogs. I always that's true. They're dog-like to me for some reason. Yeah. Um, well, I, but I don't I think, know how I that compares to a human. Like uh, almost like lions when they got those big manes. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm looking it up right now. How fast can a baboon <laughs> run? I don't know how fast a human can run though. Baboons are 30 miles per hour. Uh, well, the, the hundred meter sprint is normally nine point something seconds, isn't it? For the winners? baboons. Okay. It says humans can run 28 miles per hour. So baboons win. Oh, all right. Okay. So sprints first up. I know you'd think that there'd be, there'd be monkeys with higher staminas than humans. Well, they're going to be out hunting and stuff. So yeah, that's I reckon, true. I, mean, I reckon they're going to win the running races. Strength, yeah. you'd think they're going to, gorillas are going to win the um, weightlifting. Like curling. Yeah, weightlifting, yeah. Uh, then you've got swimming, I think humans win. Um, I think so. But, yeah, it'd be close. I think it'd depend on the category. I imagine, like, things like um, that gymnastics with the ribbon, probably humans. Although, no, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe there'd be a monkey that could really, yeah, they could do some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I could picture a capuchin doing that, oh, you know. Oh, capuchin really would great. Twirling. Twirl. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you'd think on the rings and stuff like that, monkeys would just absolutely destroy yes. humans. Gibbons would win gold. Um, so yeah, I think it sounds like probably on balance, apart from swimming, we're going to have our ass handed to us. <laughs> yeah, we are. This sounds like a movie. This sounds like a Pixar, you know, yeah. type movie, not well, with real primates, <laughs> with CGI only. Yeah. And I, um, yeah, I reckon we should pitch it. We should pitch it to Pixar and make it happen. Yeah. I mean, you're already in Tinseltown. You probably, you do you bump into any <laughs> of the Pixar people at at brunch or whatever. Yeah, I'll just knock next door at my neighbors. <laughs> oh, you live say, next hey, to Yeah, just talk Mr. to Spielberg Pixar. or one of those guys. Yeah, well, they're all around, no yeah. problem. Oh, great. Well, yeah. don't don't close me out of this deal, okay? Erica? No, you're in on it. This well, is on I'll the record now, so. Yeah, oh, you'll be, be a big. co-producer with me. Yeah. I guess Dennis should be involved as well. He has inspired it. Fine. Dennis is on. All right. Great. Okay, we're ready. All right, well, let's talk more later, but I think this could be a real big deal. Coming soon to a theater near you. This next one comes, oh, this is back to uh, Sacramento. Danny McMeans asks, as a citizen of, oh, no, he's already asked this one. You asked this one last week, Danny. Jeez, you're keen to get this answer. As a citizen (laughs) of LA, are you more of a Disneyland fan or Universal Studios? And we knew in a landslide, you're all Universal. (laughs) <laughs> Definitely. Even though Good the, memory. you shouldn't be saying that because, you know, Pixar and Disney, I think, aren't Pixar. they one and the same? Well, let's move on and not talk about okay, it anymore. Don't, just in case they're <laughs> listening in. Yeah, we love, I love Disney as well. Pixar and Disney, great. All the best. good stuff. Uh, this All good. question comes from Belfast in Northern Ireland. Amazing wow. city. Uh, visited it 10, 10 or so years back. Loved it. Um, this one's from Ooh. Sasha. Esenstadt. And Sasha asks, if you could travel to any spot in the world to observe an ape in its natural habitat, where would that be? Bear in mind, I mean magically without any impact on its inhabitants or environment. Oh, I like that little caveat at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, again, I'd be happy to go to see any primate species in the wild, but I, my first response was um, orangutans in Borneo because I, I guess because I, use, I see them so rarely as it is, even in captivity, and to see them in the wild um, living their lives, they, they're such peaceful beings. I, I think that would be pretty magical. Well, that sounds nice. Can I come? Yeah. It's magic, yes, remember? You so, you know, yes. we could have another magic seat on the magic bus. 
Absolutely. Let's do it. I'm glad, I'm glad you said yes. Half of me was expecting about, no, sorry, no more seats on the magic bus. Sorry. Well, it's magic. So COVID isn't a concern, right? Exactly. So. Oh, while we've got magic, we should just cure COVID. <laughs> Instead of going to see orangutans? No, well, I reckon we can do both. Fine. Do both. Okay. There's it's unlimited magic, to go magic. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It would be a pretty wild choice to be like, okay, you can cure COVID 19 <laughs> or. Go on a magic ride to see some, get to Borneo to observe some uh, orangutans. I would cure COVID and then save up my money and go to Borneo anyway. Win-win. Okay. Magic money. All right. Yeah. Good answer. Uh, this next one comes from Tempe in Arizona uh, from Adrian Hernandez or Adrian Hernandez probably. How did you find about prim- uh, the primates pod? We already answered that. The next, I I genuinely don't read these before I read them. I think I've You're proven that, that over and over again. But the second half of the question again is uh, hasn't been answered. Are there any other podcasts you listen to? <laughs> yeah, there are. All right. Um, what do you got? Yeah, but they're they're not. Um... <laughs> I don't think pe- people don't want to. They don't. They just want to. They just yes, want to get to know are. you. Okay. Well, so, okay. When my work is pretty serious and some of the stuff that I deal with can be upsetting and depressing and overwhelming. And uh, so for fun, I watch stupid TV shows sometimes. And there's a show, well, there's a show on MTV called Teen Mom. And there's a podcast called Teen Mom Trash Talk. (laughs) And all they do is discuss the Teen Mom show. And it sounds really stupid, but it's really funny because the two podcasters, um, the hosts are from New York City. And I used to live there and I've had a lot of family from there. And when I hear them talk, it's like it soothes something in me because they sound like people I grew up with. And they make me laugh so hard. One of them is a comedian and then it's her and her best friend. And they're just funny. And I listen to that when I need a distraction when I'm like cleaning and I just want to laugh when COVID-19 is freaking me out and I need to laugh. So, um, yeah, I'm a fan of, fan of teen mom trash talk, <laughs> even though I'm cringing as I admit this. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm authentic. Awesome. I think, yeah. the, like people listen to podcasts for different reasons. I think one of the big ones is to escape uh, mm-hmm. and to – I think I've heard people say, and I think I'd listen to them in this way sometimes, well, it's almost like you just sort of – it's uh, it's like having a passive friendship where you can just sort of check in with your mates without having to um, be active yeah. in the conversation. Totally, that's what it is for me. It's just a it's just a laugh. Yeah. Uh, so, and in these days when you can't go see your friends and you can't socialize, sometimes you just need that break from the day to laugh and chill out. And so that's what I do. <laughs> Uh, the next question, the, they didn't put in their name or where they're from. They asked what spurred your interest in non-human primates. But we, re- I think that one we, we really um, covered quite well last yeah. week. If people haven't heard, obviously, yeah, if you, you really want to listen to these two episodes in order to uh, get the full picture. So go back That's and listen true. to 99 part one. Uh, the next one comes from Sean in Chicago, the Windy City. Uh, these are my favorite episodes of the pod. Oh, it's nice. Uh, to you, not to me. I'm in all the episodes, so. <laughs> so really, <laughs> you know, sort like of it. saying, I like I like this, but more than other things you do. So, 
compliment for you. It's sort of a neutral comment for me. Um, okay, I'll take it. Sean goes on to say, here's my question. What is your favorite memory about your job and what is the most difficult part? I think the memory, I've had a lot of good memories, but getting to know some of these people who founded primate sanctuaries has been really inspiring and and powerful for me because they've changed the lives collectively of so many hundreds of animals. Um, and they've also contributed to changing the culture of how these animals are treated by humans. And that is far reaching. So you can look at it like on an individual level and they've helped millions or hundreds of very worthy animals that needed saving. And then they've contributed to this greater cause. So to me, that is um, amazing and awe-inspiring. And, and that's why I really respect my coworkers. Um, so, so I think for me, that's it. I mean, I've had the ability to speak on behalf of NAPSA and that feels really good too, because I can help educate the public and do things like this and speak at conferences and, and help contribute to that um, cause that shift in our culture that that reconsiders how animals are treated, particularly primates. And that's important to me as well. So I sort of look at it as being inspired by these people who have already done so much. And now it's my turn to start um, contributing and pulling my weight, so to speak. And I, I don't take that lightly and, and I'm pretty honored to do it. Um, and she had a second part of her question. Yeah, uh, what was the hardest it- part? Yeah, this was from uh, Sean. Yes, he said. Sean, sorry. Uh, what what is what was the most difficult part, or what is the most difficult part of your job? I guess. I think the most difficult part is is um, knowing that there's primates out there that we can't help yet, and that either are waiting to leave the labs or waiting to leave human homes, like where they were kept as pets, and um, it can be tricky to place them. And if we can't find an immediate solution, it's really frustrating. Um, and then there's something like the wildlife way station chimpanzees that I talked about in the beginning of this podcast and at the last episode too, um, where, you know, there's a huge need to help and we need to raise a lot of money to help these apes. And, and it's frustrating and frightening to think about what if we don't, you know, COVID-19 hit, what if people can't donate the way that we had anticipated now? What if we need to move faster because they need to leave more quickly from where they are? Or, you know, all these things that could happen and it's pretty easy. It, it can be tempting at times to spiral into <laughs> hysteria, but you just don't have that option because the animals are waiting. So it's been a good lesson for me on how to keep my cool and stay calm and find solutions because stuff has happened before and stuff will happen again. And you just have to do your best for these animals because they deserve it. So that's been a learning lesson for me. A nice one. I'm going to say that's a really good answer. Well, thanks. I tried. (laughs) Uh, uh, Jay from Milton Keynes has jumped in again. Uh, He said, (laughs) I think it's famous for roundabouts because he said, Milton Keynes, roundabouts, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Uh, I don't know what that's all about. And his question is, have you ever talked to an ape in sign language? I have not, but I've seen an ape speak in sign language or sign in sign language right in front of me 
pretty recently. I may have talked about it on a past episode. I don't remember. Um, but in September, I was at a NAPSA meeting that took place um, in Canada. And nearby was our member sanctuary, Fauna Foundation. And Fauna Foundation cares for a number of chimpanzees who were used in sign language studies. And uh, there was a chimpanzee, and I'm trying to remember her name. Darn it, I'm not, it's not coming to me. But there was a female chimpanzee who was watching um, the founder of the sanctuary tour our little group of sanctuary people around, and she kept signing to her. Um, I, I Let's just, gosh, I wish I remember the chimp's name. Let's just call her Mary. I don't remember her name at the moment, but Mary was signing to the sanctuary director and the sanctuary director said, hold on, hold on. And it was clear that Mary was signing the same thing over and over again. And we said, what is she signing for? And she said, apple, she wants an apple. So she said to Mary, she said, hold on, I'll, I'll get you an apple. So she sort of stops the tour and gets an apple, gives it to Mary and Mary started chewing the apple. And, um, and, and our tour continued. And as the sanctuary founder continued speaking, I looked over at Mary and she looked at me and she signed something. And I said, what was that? And I turned to, to someone who knew sign language next to me. And I said, what did she say? And she said, she signed cool. <laughs> so it was like, cool. I got my apple now. <laughs> it was so incredible. And I knew that chimps, could sign and all that. I mean, that's what got me into all this, all this in the beginning. That's why I started reading all these books, but to see it in front of me was, I don't even have words. I really I hope was, the, the symbol for cool was shockers. It was like, it was something on, on her head. It was like, I forget. She tapped her head in a certain way. And I don't know sign language uh, at, at all, really. And but, it was like, it just, was clear that she was signing. It wasn't, she wasn't itching a scratch. Oh no, because she was looking at because the woman next to me is one of her caregivers who knows sign language and you know helped raise her and all that. So she looked at my coworker and signed something. And so she was communicating to her because she knew that she would understand. Right. And she said she's saying cool. And I said, Oh my God. Someone said to me, I think even maybe on this show, that they they were a bit skeptical about um like signing apes and saying that it's just they're just uh they just learn from repetition and they and they just know that if they do this sign, they get an apple. They're not actually signing for apple. I'm like, what's the difference? You know, there is. I I would say that there is no difference. Isn't that I what? Mean, isn't that what language is? It's just like yes. I know this sound uh, means that uh, this person understands this is what I want. So this is. Isn't, I just in my head that yeah. I I couldn't quite understand what the difference was, but. Um, <laughs> Well, and it requires a lot for that animal to have the theory of mind to know that that other person you know, observes them and will think in an independent way and will associate the sign with the action they want. And I mean, that takes a lot of processing. So if that's what they're doing, then I mean, that's no different than what you and I are doing, I don't think. And I, I, I was going to point that out, Erica, I do do that. So um, if you're impressed, yeah. you'd be impressed by me as well. Because um, I'm very impressed. I, I asked get for an apple, apple the other day. <laughs> and yeah, cool. it went off without a hitch. Um, yeah, I real. mean. And then I did the shuckers to sim. Uh, to That's let them right. know that it was cool. <laughs> this apple's cool. I'm cool for eating it's, it. It's pretty wild that, that yeah. this can happen at all. Yeah, it is. I love it. Yeah. We're down to yeah. the last couple of questions. Um, oh, my goodness. This one looks interesting. It's from Kate Bain in Finley, New South Wales. Uh, 
What is a strange, inspiring, or frightening story of an animal surrender in one of your sanctuaries? What's an animal surrender? I think she means if an owner has a primate and wants to. Oh, gotcha. They're surrendering it to the sanctuary. I thought it might. I thought it might have been some sort of primate lingo, but yeah, (laughs) like it's just like they're surrender. They're saying, "Hey, we." Um, we should be giving yeah. this up to you. So I don't want like him or surrendering her. a gun or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because a lot of times in the United States, um, it's illegal to keep primates as pets in some states, not all. So a lot of times it is surrendering like a gun because they're doing it to absolve themselves from any legal trouble. I think that's um, kind of what I was what, like to my point before about it. America being fascinating it was like fifty more like 50 countries than 50 states. There were so many different laws in every – I mean, Australia is the same. There's different laws in different states, but it feels like they fluctuate way more in America for some reason. They do, and it's crazy because, like, if you think about it with protecting animals, if one state says you can't have a monkey as a pet, there's nothing that would stop someone from driving over to the other state an hour away, buying a monkey as a pet and bringing the monkey home Right. Um, it's unlikely that know, there's going to be a, a monkey search team at the border. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to get caught until the monkey bites someone or escapes or, you know, causes havoc, which is likely to happen eventually. But by then the damage is done. And it's just, um, it's frustrating for, for those of us that work with exotic animals. And that monkey at the shop is replaced by another monkey. It's not like, I think some people yeah. maybe think about it sometimes. And I probably have in the past where you go, oh, if you're, that monkey's already in that cage. I'm saving it from this shop. But it's like, oh, they're just going to put another one in that cage to replace it. Another yeah, because be breeding is legal place. too. Yeah. Right. If they're, they're just going to breed more. Oh, so the more so demand there is, the more that it will be born. <laughs> what a, it does what a shitty catch-22. That's the kind of stuff that's depressing. That's why I need to, you know, watch stupid TV shows sometimes and give myself, <laughs> give my, my brain a break. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. Sorry, did we get did we get an answer on that? Have you, do you recall a, <laughs> a strange or inspiring or frightening story of an animal surrender? Um, yeah, I mean, well, here's one that's strange. Um, there was a monkey, I believe it was a capuchin, although I'd have to th- really research this, but there was a smaller monkey that was found um, on a highway in I think it was New Jersey or New York, um, a woman called one of the sanctuaries and said, I found a monkey on the highway. I don't know what to do with it. And long story short, they ended up being able to get this monkey into a sanctuary, but we never quite knew if this was like her monkey and she didn't know how to give him or her up or if she truly did find a monkey in some sort of weird carrier on the highway. Oh my God. There's a lot of weird things like that that go down. Right. Because... It's sort of like the way of either. It... Yeah. Hopefully it was just her trying to anonymously do it rather than someone just abandoning it on a highway. Yeah. But there's been lots of, I mean, yeah, I, it, he's lucky that she found him or, or, whatever because he ended up in a sanctuary but um there's lots like that and there's you know there's people that have primates as pets now and that have even apes you know chimpanzees still as pets in human homes and that's pretty terrifying and we just don't want to hear of an attack like um travis the chimpanzee you might remember that um 
in Connecticut where he really mauled um, a woman. Oh, yeah, oh, cool. I've heard a story and I imagine it's probably that one. It's horrific. Yeah. So when you hear of chimps living in human homes and even smaller primates, it's it's sort of they're like ticking time bombs. And so those get really um, I get real anxious about those because we we want to get them out as soon as possible. But if it's legal and if the owner doesn't want to give him or her up, then it's a struggle. And, and we can't do anything until the owner decides or until the law steps in, you know, if any laws are broken. Yeah, right. So each one is different. It really is is strange. So when I do get an owner that decides to give up their pet primate for some reason, it's a relief when when they choose to do it on their own before something dangerous happens and before, you know, they abandon an animal. Um, it's really great when we can work with the owner and do it in a responsible manner. Uh, the last question we've got here comes from Jordan in Calgary in Alberta. And it is, yeah. how do you sleep at night? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Which I'm not Jordan. I'm not sure. I'm guessing that's a reference to something we said last week. But I, can't, I hope it is. I can't remember what it is. Or maybe that maybe it's just a genuine question. Maybe they want to know. Do you have like a, a sleep routine? How do you do you sort of uh, count sheep or uh... I no. I read a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that gets me sleepy and then i turn off my light and i go to sleep i think that's a great system i know that's fascinating information that is fascinating information it's, it's, um, it's really not but um i hope that's what jordan was looking for because anything else and i get worried <laughs> maybe well unless it's you know maybe it's if jordan is some sort of a a, a monkey breeder maybe then maybe maybe she wouldn't maybe. be happy or he wouldn't be happy with your work but no i think maybe. i'm, I'm my strong guess would be that that is a very funny question. Um, so that brings <laughs> us to the end of the Q&A section. But um, What a way to end. <laughs> we do have some Patreons, uh, Patreon supporters of the show who one of the rewards they get for supporting this show and the other shows in the network, including Do Go On, as we mentioned before, and Book Cheat, which is a, a book review, a book, book report podcast, and also... Listen Now, which is a music podcast I do with my cousin Sam, um, one of the rewards they get for supporting us at patreon.com slash pod is a shout out with uh, some sort of a, I normally, I say, what give us your favorite primate or any sort of facts or anything you want to say, basically, okay? So here are four of those, Erica. Um, okay. You know this. I mean, every time you're on, we do this. I don't know why I'm explaining it to you again, just in case there's any brand new listeners the first one comes from Nathan Garnsworthy, who writes, My favorite primate is the orangutan. Because of my red beard, I've always felt a certain kinship with the wise ape. However, my four-year-old son would choose the toke macaque. Am I saying that right? Toke or toki? Yes. No, you're saying it right. Toke. Uh, we watched the Disney doco Monkey Kingdom in which these Sri Lankan monkeys steal food from a kid's birthday party. My son, Finn, can relate to the toke macaque's love of cake. <laughs> that is a great movie. I just watched that recently. Yeah, right. Well, it's a uh, yep. Disney Docker. Okay, cool. I'll have to check it out. Uh, thank you, Nathan. Uh, Jack Waters writes, Hi, Matt. If I'm honest, I don't really have a favorite primate. Putting one species above the other seems against <laughs> the spirit of the show. <laughs> uh, thank you, Jack. I mean, that's a I bit of a, that. a backhander to Nathan who just did that, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, uh, Jack goes on to say, the one thing I do know, though, is that picking Andy from Toy Story is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Uh, yes. For new listeners, Evan, who's the semi-regular second banana on this show, he's picked uh, Andy from Toy Story as his favourite primate. Um, Jack goes on to say, and I'm glad Evan is stuck in this lie now. How could he not be? Uh, he can never back down or the ridicule will be endless. P.S. The kids in the walls are probably safer than all of us right now due to COVID-19. Evan was one step ahead for sure. Okay, so that's a that's an in-joke from Evan's YouTube show about video games. Oh, uh, if that sounded baffling say. to you, okay. I don't I don't <laughs> fully did. get it. I don't think Evan fully does either. But at some point there was a, a, a recurring joke that, on Gaming Gaming Game, which is a show where uh, there are boys in the walls. I don't get it. Oh, sounds <laughs> but, creepy. Yeah. I think, okay. I don't know. It was a riff gone bad, I guess. Um, thank you very much, Jack, for uh, baffling Erica there. Uh, Ray Bradley writes, hi, Matt, and possibly the Fruity Boys or Second Banana Evan. No, none of them are here, but Erica is here. He's probably really the maybe the first banana in reality. Um, wow. Ray writes, it's been said before, but my favorite primate has to be the orangutan. Jeez, I reckon that's the one that comes up the most probably. Uh, yeah. Again, possibly due to my red hair. Got to stick together. Also, I was a big fan of Zaba Mufum show mm-hmm. as a kid, but revisiting it with you all definitely made me reconsider my entire childhood. Keep it up. <laughs> we did an episode on that show, and it, yeah, we, we found it hard to watch. As uh, I heard that episode. That is a weird show, too. Yeah. I think it as kids, it would probably have been great, but it was a hard watch as an adult who had no nostalgia yeah. for it. Um, thank no. you, Ray. Yeah, I think a lot of red-headed people seem to <laughs> like the orangutan because that's one of the reasons I'd probably uh, relate to them, um, which is I have so, so shallow. so many red-headed listeners. Too. Yeah, who would have thought? No, you need to take a poll and see the percentage of red-headed versus Yeah, if it's higher, brunette. higher here than in the wild. Um, mm-hmm. Finally, Jim Neal writes, Hi, Matt and guests. My favorite primate is the librarian from the Discworld uh, series, and you did a marvelous job in covering that guy already. Uh, this is interesting because the librarian is also an orangutan. We talked about that last week as well. It's from uh, yeah, you the, did the Discworld. It comes up a bit as well. Very people love it. Uh, did you know that great apes and humans have the same blood types A, B, A, B, and O? Is it interesting? Who's to say? But it is a fact. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's inter- that is interesting. Thank you, Jim Neal. Thank you to all those. Patreon supporters, you can get involved at patreon.com slash do go on pod. I also said uh, I'll read out a couple of reviews. Um, if you give us a five-star review, I'll read out the rest of these on the live one, I guess, um, if any cool. new ones come in, that is. But there's a couple of new ones that have come in in the last uh, since last week's episode. This one's from Cantonis Ghost, who writes, oh, this is pretty long, Erica. Let's see how we go. Five stars. <laughs> okay. Uh, over the evolutionary course of 100 shows, Matt Stewart has created a wonderfully joyous medium from the basis of a general concept, covering a range of popular culture primate-related subjects from TV, film, books, music, and exposure to the great work done by NAPSA, uh, bracket, National mm-hmm. Pension Scheme Authority, I believe, <laughs> close bracket, <laughs> and explained humbly by the uh, dedicated Erica Fleury. Uh, truly, this has given us information and excellent nostalgia-filled delights. Whether it works, uh, whether it involves Dave Sim- uh, Dave Warnicky's Simpsons tangents, Jess Perkins' infectious howling reactions, Ben Russell's Attenborough impression, Stu's reptilian auntie, 
or just getting fruity with Matt and the boys, these episodes have given so much. And in the tradition of ape never harms ape, Mr. Stewart has done nothing to harm the reputation of these majestic creatures, which have inspired so much to our society, for our society. Um, cheers, primate. Oh, that's very nice. Glad I read that yeah, out. That's, that's a really nice one. What a You've lovely boost. Yeah, that, yeah. Thank you so much, Cantonus Ghost. Cantonus Ghost. That was very nice. Wow. The other one, geez. Um, it's going to... Hi, Bart. Uh, normally, it's funny because normally just something that is quite nice like that it would make me feel weird. But for some reason, I think I just needed it <laughs> because I didn't. Aww. I didn't cringe at it at all like I might normally for something that's just uh, lovely. You're almost done. You have to just accept it. Yeah, I guess Level. so. Uh, yeah. And this other one comes from David Aranda from Austin. He writes uh, five stars. Hey, Matt and guests, I've listened to every episode and loved every potassium pack second of it. I love all these shows and they do go on mini network i'm sad to see primates coming to an end but i will always love any and all decisions you choose to make thanks for the laughs oh don't he's just gonna it's that's also so lovely and supportive thank you david but don't say you support all my decisions i make dud decisions all the time um you've got some real fans out there yeah but i'm and uh the first the one from cantana's ghost gave you a big shout out too uh, yeah. especially your work at the National Pension Scheme Authority or whatever. Pensions are so important to me. They are, and they should be. Um, yeah, especially well, national ones. That brings us to the end. I feel like I'm borderline getting emotional uh, as we oh. begin to start wrapping up. Thank you so much for coming on five times, Erica. So in the end, you've been oh. on 5% of the episodes, I think, if my math serves me right, five out of 100, <laughs> even though the 100 episodes have gone for like 102 or 103 episodes, but still. <laughs> 5% sounds good. <laughs> yeah, the maths adds up still. Um, yeah, uh, I wish it wasn't ending now. Well, ending strong. I'm, I don't I do not do goodbyes well. That's why I'm just saying it's a it's a hiatus, and I'm sure we'll be back uh, okay. in, in some way. Um, maybe it won't be weekly again for a while, but I'm sure we'll drop in and out every now and then. I think when... Big uh, ape movies come out whenever Andy Circus puts out another chimpanzee <laughs> movie or something. Um, or if yeah, if you ever just want to chat and do another Q and A session, Erica, the mm-hmm. the door is always open at the Primates Podcast for you. Um, yeah, it's do lovely. you want to just mention one last time uh, the? Oh, uh, anyway, there's a link in the show notes. So if people click on that and they donate mm-hmm. any money they can, if they have spare money. Obviously, no yeah. pressure, but if you've got it to spare, maybe this would be a cool um, thing to do. And, yeah, you'll yeah. Help, help. Yeah, it would just be like in your mind, you, you would have helped um, get some of these chimps safe and happy for to live out there the rest of their mm-hmm. lives. Yeah, this is a real easy way that you can help some primates. In the Memory of Primates podcast, <laughs> you can... You can help them, get them to sanctuaries, ensure that they have a better life. Hashtag Erica's making it rain. (laughs) If that becomes a real hashtag, I will die. (laughs) Oh, my God. The other, um, and the other thing, I don't know if we've we've mentioned it probably a few times, but you've got a book out there that people can find called Monkey Business. I do, and I've got my next book in production right now. Um, so maybe when the next book is available, we can we can do another episode to talk about that because it's all about the founding of the primate sanctuaries in North America. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, we should do that for sure. Yeah, it's all about the cool people who who did that and started this whole movement. So 
Um, I'll be really excited to talk about that. But in the meantime, you can check out my book, Monkey Business, on Amazon or anywhere where you get books. Do you do um, an audible will, version of it, uh, an audio book? I don't. I don't, but perhaps I should. Yeah, you got to get in the booth. Read it out. I know. That's how and I, I will read. say too. I, I, don't, I read in the, <laughs> in the more passive. You don't read with your eyeballs? No, I don't read. I read with my ears. Very modern yeah, man. Well. <laughs> I, uh, I'll have to look into that. Um, the book is from 2013. So it's by now, it's actually a good thing, but some things have changed. So if you're reading it and you say, Hey, wait a minute, this sounds out of date. It is it a little out of date? It's seven years old, but it's a great, uh, capsule of primate rights up to that point. And then I'm going to continue my work and re- keep writing about it. So I'll write about what happens next. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us uh, once again, Erica. And yeah, hopefully we'll uh, do this again down the track. Uh, it's always been an absolute pleasure. Um, people can find you at the uh, NAPSA social medias, which will be in the show notes as well. Please please follow along at those. You, you run those mainly, is that right? I certainly do. So if you send us a message, it's coming to me. And uh, people can find Primates at Primates Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And yeah, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thanks for joining us, Eric. Thanks for joining us, Erica. And as we always <laughs> say here at Primates Podcast, long live Don Bunker. <laughs> I forgot about him already. What a name! <laughs>